following message was delivered at Bible Baptist Church in Dickinson, North Dakota. Resurrection Sunday, man. Let's look with me to John 10. And again, beginning in verse 11. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd giveth his life for the sheep. But he that is an hireling and not the shepherd, whose own the sheep are not, seeth the wolf coming and leaveth the sheep and fleeth. The wolf catcheth them and scattereth the sheep. The hireling flee, uh, fleeth because he is an hireling and uh, careth not for the sheep. I am the good shepherd and know my sheep and am known of mine as the Father knoweth me. Even so know I the Father and I lay down my life for the sheep. And other sheep I have uh, which are not of this fold. Them also I must bring and they shall hear my voice and there shall be one fold and one shepherd. Therefore doth my Father love me, because I lay down my life, that I might take it again. No man taketh it from me, but I lay it down of myself. I have the power to lay it down, and I have the power to take it again. This commandment have I received of my Father. Now we have been talking about, if you will, the issue of false shepherds, good shepherds, and we have been considering Christ as a great and good shepherd of the sheep, where we'll continue again this morning. Let's pray. Father in heaven, Lord, we thank you for thy word. Father, thank you for those who've come to hear it. And Lord, we pray, Father, for those who are not here, who could be, and pray, God, your help in their lives. And Father, Lord, I pray your help and blessing in all the members of our church. And Father, those who've been coming, and Lord, I pray that you bless this time as we open thy word. Father, Lord, help us to see the great and good shepherd of the sheep. Father, what great goodness it is to know thee, and Father, to have thee, as our shepherd. Father, bless us, help us now. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Again, uh, Christ is a great and good shepherd of the sheep. You know, if you look with me to uh, Psalm 23, Psalm 23 this morning in verse 1, <clears throat> that is a, this psalm is a blessed psalm, not just to David. David wrote the psalm and he is speaking of the Lord as someone special to him. He says in Psalm 23 and 1, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. You know, folks, uh, the, uh, Christ as the great shepherd, great and good shepherd of the sheep, is not just David's shepherd. He's not just the shepherd of the special, if you will, among the faith, but rather uh, a good shepherd, a great shepherd to all of his sheep. Amen. And if you're saved by the grace of God, you are one of the sheep of the Father, if you will. And we have a great shepherd given to us by the Father in the person of his Son. If you look with me to uh, Hebrews 13, Hebrews 13 and verses 20 and 21. <clears throat> Hebrews 13 and verses 20 and 21. Here the Bible says, Now the God of peace that brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus Christ, that great shepherd of the sheep, through the blood of the everlasting covenant, excuse me, make you perfect in every good work to do his will, working in you that which is well-pleasing in his sight through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. Now, to God be the glory, great things he had done for us in so many ways, and particularly in giving us this a great and good shepherd. And again, looking back to John 10, John chapter 10, <clears throat> and verse 11, Jesus said, I am the good shepherd 
and the good shepherd giveth his life for the sheep. As we begin to talk about and talk about some of the characteristics of Christ that make him the good and great shepherd of the sheep. We talked last week about him being the good and great shepherd of the sheep in his giving, in his giving. The Bible says here, uh, I am the good shepherd, the good shepherd giveth his life for the sheep. You know, the Lord gave up an awful lot. You know, sometimes we think about just his sacrifice on the cross of Calvary, and yet we know in Luke chapter 2, Luke chapter 2, well, before we look at that, look at 2 Corinthians 8, 2 Corinthians chapter 8, and verse 9, 2 Corinthians chapter 8, and verse 9. We found here last time that uh, uh, the Lord gave up something that we don't often think about in uh, 2 Corinthians 8 and 9. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that uh, though he were, was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, that ye through his poverty might be made rich. We know that Christ left heaven's glory. You know the it's hard for us human beings to imagine the glories of heaven. At least in my part it is, because I read what the scripture says, and I try to imagine that in light of what we know and what we've seen. And yet I've seen so little of what is even maybe considered the glory of this, of this earth in one sense and the glories of the kingdoms of this earth. And yet one day we'll enjoy living with God eternally in the kingdom of heaven. And the glory of that kingdom is far surpasses anything that we could possibly know or imagine in this world. And yet, God gave up all of that in the person of his son. He became poor. He, he was born in a manger, in a cattle stall. He was laid in a manger, a place where they put the feed for the cattle. We're not talking, you know, some people worry about, you know, when they have babies today, you go in the hospital and everybody's got a gown. Well, it's probably worse now because of COVID. They got a gown up and mask up and whatever, just to be able to get near a child. It used to be years ago when people became aware, aware of cleanliness that they went to an extreme in times past of, well, we got a gown. A dad can't even hold his baby without a mask on. And that was back then, years ago. You know what, folks? <clears throat> and that, we're talking about in a hospital, a place of cleanliness. You know, Christ was born in a, in a, in a cattle stall. He left heaven's glory to become a man. What a low, low thing to do anyway. He was made a little lower than the angels, amen, in becoming a man in one sense. And yet in Mark 6 and 1, Mark 6 and 1, the Bible says, And he went from thence and came into the country, uh, and his disciples followed him. And when the Sabbath was come, he began to teach in the synagogue, and many hearing him, were astonished, saying, From whence hath this man these things, and what wisdom is this that is given unto him, that such mighty works were wrought by his hands? Is not this the carpenter, the son of Mary, the brother of James, and Joseph, and, and of Judah, and Simon? Uh, and are not uh, his sisters here with us? And they were offended at him. You know, Christ was, a, was a, the supposed son of Joseph, the son of a carpenter. He was a carpenter. And you know... <clears throat> Sometimes it makes me angry when I see uh, pictures portraying Jesus as some long-haired, effeminate man. He was a, a man of power, physical power. He was a carpenter. I mean, carpenters in those days worked hard at their business. They didn't have the power tools that you and I have. I mean, they, they had to do everything by hand, which would have made Christ not some weak, effeminate thing, but rather a man, a man of strength, a man of honor, but an honorable task to do. And yet he was just a carpenter. 
And yet people look down on him because of that. They, they, they imagine that he was somehow ignorant. The God of creation, ignorant, and yet they looked upon him as that. They said in one place, when is this man this, these words and this wisdom? Well, it came from heaven because he himself is God from heaven. And in Luke chapter 12, Luke chapter 12, <clears throat> and looking at verse 13, the Bible says, One of the company said, said unto him, Master, speak to my brother, that he divides the inheritance with me. And he said unto him, Man, who made me a judge or a divider over you? You know, it's an amazing thing sometimes is the way people act about inheritances. When someone dies, I know someone, I have a friend of mine that uh, her family was just kind of torn up. Her son should have inherited a, a property that came from her brother. It was the old homestead. And, and you know what? Before it was all done, there was nothing left. Because some of the other family jumped in there and said, oh, this, and they got into a fight in court. And when it was all said and done, no one ended up with hardly anything except a, a bad taste in their mouth because of that kind of thing. You know, Jesus is talking about this kind of thing. And he said unto them, take heed and beware of covetousness, for a man's life consisted not in the abundance of the things which, which he possesses. You know, it's not wrong to possess things, but folks, some people live for things. And we, we, had the, we read the parable about the, the men that, that, that uh, you know, built barns, built greater barns, you know, to, to, to house all of his goods. And when he died, what did he take with him? Nothing. You know, it's not wrong to have things or possessions. What's wrong is to be covetous and live for them. To live for them. You know, folks, the, the, the life that God gives us, the ability that God gives us to get wealth should be used, and the wealth he gives us to be used for the furtherance of the kingdom of heaven, for reaching a lost and dying world. That doesn't mean you have to give everything away, but sometimes people struggle at just giving God the tithe and offerings and things like that. Because sometimes they're too caught up with what's going on in this world. You know, God, the Bible says, love with a cheerful giver, because God himself is a cheerful giver. Amen. And what a blessing, folks, when we can give to the work of the Lord and see it flourish and go forward, reaching out, sending, helping send missionaries and what have you to, to different places for them to preach the gospel and win souls, baptize converts, establish churches that will be able to continue in the work beyond them. Beyond them. Matthew 6 and verse 19, Jesus understood what he taught his disciples in Matthew 6 and 19. <clears throat> Lay not for yourselves treasures upon earth where moth and rust doth corrupt and where thieves break through and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt and where thieves do not break through nor steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Now, folks, he's not saying it's wrong to have an inheritance. You know, I'm, I'm trying to prepare for the future. I have been for years. The Lord is... You know what, yet, yet we don't not give to God, amen? You know, the Lord has been gracious to me over the years. Even the job I have right now, well, not a very glamorous job, and yet, and yet if I stick it out, we're here long enough. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm waiting for the Lord to come, and if he doesn't come, I'm also preparing for the future, preparing for a life where maybe finally I quit working a secular job, but when I do... I'm looking forward to the fact that I'll have a pension from that job. Plus, I'll get Social Security, you know, when I'm really old. Get Social Security. 
And you know what? I'll, I'll, you know what? I'll have enough to live on. Because the Lord takes care of us. But along the way, folks, it's okay to plan for that. But along the way, let's not spend our lives and the wealth that God gives us to hoard it for the future. Because you and I don't know uh, what a day may bring forth. Boast not thyself of tomorrow, for thou knowest not what a day may bring forth. If you die tomorrow, you'll not take any of it with you. And you'll probably leave a mess behind for someone else to try to make some sense out of it. But he, he, he is Christ, the good shepherd, and his giving. He cared for the sheep. And you know what, folks? Everyone that find, has found his way into heaven and will find their way into heaven as one of God's sheep in his fold will do so because of Christ. Because of his giving, his investment in them. And folks, you know what? We, we need to, by the grace of God, be invested in others. Invested in helping them to come and know the Lord. And you know, along the way, what greater treasure, what greater treasure can you and I ask for than to take someone with us to heaven? Take someone with us to heaven. You know what? You and I may be surprised. You know, there may have been someone along the, along the way you've passed a track to, a teller, whatever, that you've passed a track to that one day you may find in heaven smiling and rejoicing, who may come up to you and, and say, do you remember when you passed a track to me? And maybe you didn't lead them to the Lord, but you sowed the seed. You gave some time. You gave some money to buy the tracks. You, you gave some time to do what you could. You know what, folks? To lay up treasures in heaven. Amen? Well, not only that, look back to John 10. He is sowing his giving, a great and good shepherd in his giving. If you will look at verse 14, I am the good shepherd and know my sheep and am known of mine. Not only is the great and good shepherd in his giving, but in his knowing. In his knowing. Now, he says in verse 27, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. You know, this phrase, know my sheep, and the word know speaks of a, of a sense of affection, regard, or love. It implies a knowledge of their wants, their dangers, their character as to the result, as to result in a deep interest in their welfare. Jesus knows the hearts, the dangers, the needs of his people, and his kindness as their shepherd prompts him to defend and aid them. You know, when it says he knows us, it's more than just that he knows that we're Christians. The Bible says in 2 Timothy, if you look over there, 2 Timothy 2 and 19. <clears throat> 2 Timothy 2 and verse 19, <clears throat> here the Bible says, Nevertheless, the foundation of God standeth sure, having this seal. You know, the foundation, our foundation for our salvation has its seal in, this, in these words. The Lord knoweth them that are his, and let everyone that nameth the name of Christ depart uh, from iniquity. You know, folks, what a blessing to know that God knows, your, knows you as his children as his sheep you know there are sometimes people who speak as if they know him and they're taking the name of the lord thy god in vain you know we think of taking the name of god in vain as just a cuss in the name of jesus or cuss in the name of god 
I think we need, to, we need to be careful how we use God's name. Though even slang terms like gosh and geez and oh my God, expressions like oh my God. You know what we're doing? We're taking lightly the name of God. God's name is holy. And it's to be treated with respect and honor. Do our God, our God personally. You know, I'm amazed sometimes when... When some professing Christian people can cuss a blue streak taking God's name every other breath. How can we curse the God that sent his son to the cross of Calvary, gave his all for you and I, and to know, you know, for us to know him. Look at John 17 and 3. John 17 and 3. And this is life eternal, that they might know thee, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom thou hast sent. You know, folks, salvation, eternal life is knowing God and God knowing you. And folks, to know God is to know the love of God, which passeth understanding. And folks, to know that love, having received that love, and then to curse his name blatantly and openly, as if it were, were su such a light and trivial thing. You know, so there are some, and I'm astounded by it. There are some that, that, that take God's name every other breath sometimes. And I've run across, and maybe you've run across someone who's professed to be a Christian, and they can cuss a blue streak and take God's name every other breath. And you know, sometimes we're, we're so appalled by it, we're like, what do I say? Well, some along, somewhere along the line, maybe we're going to have to say something. Because of the dear name of our God? Amen. You know, the Bible says the Lord will not hold him guiltless that taketh his name in vain. And we're not just talking about cussing. We're talking about saying, I know God, and God doesn't know you as his sheep. But folks, when he does know you, as he, he alone knows, if you look with me to John 6, <clears throat> In verse 66, John 6, and looking at verse <clears throat> 66. From that time, <clears throat> many of his disciples went back and walked no more with him. Then said Jesus unto them, uh, unto the twelve, will you also go away? And Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? Thou hast the words of eternal life. And we believe and are sure that thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered them, have not I chosen you twelve? I had chosen them to be apostles, and one of you is a devil. And he spake of Judas Iscariot, the son of Simon, for he it was that should betray him, being one of the twelve folks. And the Lord knows them that are his. You know, the, the foundation for our assurance of, of salvation is the fact of what God knows about us, if you will, in Psalm 139. Psalm 139, <clears throat> beginning in verse 1. <clears throat> Bible says, O Lord, thou hast searched me and known me. Thou knowest my downsitting, mine uprising. Thou understandest my thought afar off. Thou compassed my path and my lying down. Thou art acquainted with all my ways. For there is not a word in my tongue, but lo, O Lord, thou knowest it altogether. For thou hast beset me behind and before and laid thine hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. 
It is high, I cannot attain unto it. And he's talking about, if you will, the omniscience of God, the all-knowing God. Amen. You know, sometimes, sometimes I think we're, we, we ought to be amazed at ourselves because some of the things we do so blatantly, forgetting that God knows and sees it all. And we ought to be ashamed of what we do, of what we say, because of the God that knows us for who we are and what we are and what we do. He sees it all, knows it all. He says, Whither shall I go from thy spirit? Whither shall I flee from thy presence? If I ascend up into heaven, thou art there. If I make my bed in hell, behold, thou art there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there shall thy uh, hand lead me and thy right hand shall hold me. If I say, surely the darkness shall cover me, even the night shall be a light about me. Yea, the darkness hideth not from thee, but the night shineth as the day. The darkness and the light are both alike to thee. For thou hast possessed my reins, thou hast covered me in my mother's womb. I will praise thee, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are thy works, and that my soul knoweth right well. You know, folks, God knows us like nobody. He knows us inside and out. No thought, the Bible says, can be withholden from thee. And you know, folks, that, that ought to cause us to consider what we say, what we do, what we think. Because God knows it all. It's amazing sometimes <clears throat> God knowing what he knows about us still loves us. Amen. Give me to John 1 and 47. John 1 and 47 <clears throat> Jesus saw Nathanael coming to him and saith of him, Behold, an Israelite indeed in whom is no guile. He's talking about the tendency toward the Jews at being, uh, if you will, sneaky and deceitful. That's what guile speaks of. Nathanael saith unto him, Whence knowest thou me? Uh, Jesus answered and said unto him, Before that Philip called thee, when thou wast under the fig tree, I saw thee. Now, I, how many of you ever thought about, tried to imagine what it was that Jesus saw? I have. I wonder, what, what was it? Was, what was going on? What was Nathaniel doing? Now, already Nathaniel's a saved man. Saved under the preaching of John Baptist. So is his brother and what have you. I mean, and, and God's already been working in his heart, but he says this to him. Nathaniel answered and said unto him, Rabbi, thou art the Son of God, thou art the King of Israel. Jesus answered and said unto him, Because I said unto thee, I saw thee under the fig tree, believest thou, thou shalt see greater things than these. You know, he says, and he saith unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto you, hereafter ye shall see the heaven open, and the angels of God ascending and descending upon the Son of Man. There must have been something uh, pretty astounding going on that maybe, maybe Nathaniel thought he had hidden from everyone. And yet when the Lord, the Lord didn't even say plainly what it was. But it was something that got Nathaniel's attention. See, God knows us and sees us in ways that we don't see ourselves or we don't sometimes want to imagine about ourselves. You know, the Bible says every man would, would, would seek to think the best of themselves. Amen? Rather than sometimes being faithful and honest with ourselves about what we are. God knows us. <clears throat> 
He knows us in a special way. He cares about us. You know, and I marvel sometimes when I think about what God knows about me. And still God loves me. Still God loves you. Still God is there for you. You know what? (coughs) There are times when we do things that cause people to want to reject us. But you know, Jesus said this, Him that cometh to me, I will in no wise cast out. You know, when you come to Christ, you come to Him and you make Him your shepherd, folks, God will never cast out His sheep. He always cares for them in spite of what He knows about us. You know, sheep sometimes are wandering animals, prone to wander, may be prone to get into trouble. Sometimes you have to wonder if sheep are always that bright because of the things they get themselves into. And yet the Lord likens us unto sheep. In Isaiah 41, uh uh-oh, Isaiah 41, and let's look at verse 10. Bible says, Fear thou not, for I am with thee. Be not dismayed, for I am thy God. I will strengthen thee. Yea, I will help thee. Yea, I will uphold thee with the right hand of my righteousness. Behold, all that were incensed against thee shall be ashamed and confounded. They shall be as nothing, and they, they that strive with thee shall perish. Thou shalt seek them, and thou shalt not find them, even them that contend with thee. They that war against thee shall be as nothing." as a thing of naught. For I, the Lord thy God, will hold thy right hand, saying unto thee, Fear not, I will help thee. Now all of that, I think of this verse, and I think of, again, like what I said earlier, all of what God knows about us, and he knows us, he knows us with a desire, he loves us, he knows us with a desire to not only love us and continue to love us, but to help us to strengthen us, to be there for us at all times. So when we talk about him knowing us, it's not just that he knows about us, knows that, and he does, he knows everything about us. He knows our hearts. And yet his knowing us is a knowledge that causes him to love us. You know, he loved us before we were saved. He loves us more since we have been saved. And sometimes in spite of what we are. You have to marvel at that, folks. If we're honest with ourselves, we have to marvel when we see and we know sometimes our own failures, our own falterings, our own weakness. Amen? If you will, Jeremiah 31. And verse 3. Jeremiah 31. And uh, verse 3, The Lord hath appeared of old unto me, saying, I, Yea, I have loved thee with an everlasting love, therefore with loving kindness have I drawn thee. You know, folks, that's love to us in the face of the times, the many times when we don't love him as we ought. You know, Jesus said, If you love me, what? Keep my commandments. You know, we obey Christ not out of fear and dread, not because we're afraid that the preacher's going to come and jump my case if I don't do right. 
You know, if you're not doing right as a shepherd, there are times when I need to come and see you. Amen. But not to criticize you, but to help you. Amen. To help lift you up and help maybe to get you back on track, get you back in the way. And sometimes it's been the case and sometimes it is going to be the case. The Bible says, ye which are spiritual, if a man be overtaken in a fault, ye which are spiritual, restore such an one in the spirit of meekness. The idea of a pastor coming to see a, a church member, one of God's sheep, is for the fact that, you know what, maybe they're caught up in something, maybe they need some help. And sometimes the help of God comes through a preacher, a pastor, a shepherd, or another church member. Amen. <clears throat> but God loves us with an everlasting love. You know, the Bible says in Matthew 24 and verse 12, because iniquity abounds, and he's talking about last days, because iniquity abounds, the love of many shall wax cold. Now, a love can't wax cold if it never existed. He's talking about people that know the love of God in Christ, those that have received the love of God in Christ, and our love for Him waning. You know, it's sad in a marriage relationship when husbands and wives don't love them each other like they should. You know, the Bible says to the husband, husband, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. It says to the wives, wives, love your own husbands. Amen? And you know what? Sometimes you have to work at that. And sometimes you have to work overtime at that. Because sometimes, sometimes my wife has lived with a, with a guy who's not very lovable. Amen? And she's had to work real hard and loving me in spite of me. And vice versa. <gasps> Have you struggled? Has your wife not been lovable? Not always. Because who is? Who is? Who in this room could say that you're always lovable? <laughs> Nobody. Amen. You know, there are times I roll a bed on a Sunday morning. And I'm as grumpy as a bear. And I have to get alone with God and say, Lord, help the bear to get under control. Help me not to go in the, into church and growl at the people. Amen. Have you done that before, preacher? Probably. Just like I'm going to growl at Levi. Where have you been, brother? <clears throat> See, that's my calling of God as a shepherd, to growl as a bear at people. No. Thanks be to God that God knows us and loves us forever. Loves us in spite of our lack of love for him. Look with me to Matthew 6. Matthew 6. Pick the wrong time to come in, Levi. <laughs> you should have waited. No. Matthew 6. Let's look at verse 31. Matthew 6 and 31, the Bible says, Take no thought, uh, therefore take no thought, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or wherewithal shall we be clothed? For after all these things do the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knoweth that you have need of all these things, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all things, all these things shall be added unto you. Take therefore no thought for the morrow, for the morrow shall take thought for the things of itself, sufficient to the day is the evil thereof. You know, folks, God knows what we need. Amen. He knows what we need. And as we'll see here in uh, <clears throat> Philippians 4, he will supply all of our need. 
in Philippians chapter 4. We'll start in verse 10. Paul writes, But I rejoice in the greatly that now at the last your care of me hath flourished again. He's talking about giving. Giving to the work of missions. Giving to help, uh, help support himself. Your care of me hath flourished again, wherein you were also careful, but you lacked opportunity. Not that I speak in respect of want, for I have learned in whatsoever state I am therewith to be content. And it should put, well, there should be a parenthesis that says North Dakota. Whatever state. <laughs> I know how, both how to be abased. I know how to abound everywhere and in all things. I am instructed both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. I can do all things through Christ, which strengtheneth me. Notwithstanding, you, you, you have well done that you did communicate with my affliction. The word communicate is talking about giving. He says, now you Philippians know also that in the beginning of the gospel, when I departed from Macedonia, no church communicated with me as concerning giving and receiving, but ye only. For even in Thessalonica, you set once again unto my necessity. And that's important to, to remember, necessity. Not once. You know, sometimes, um, sometimes people will come to church and we would try to help them out and then they'd want to bail when, when it seems like, well, all the money's dried up. I mean, they're not giving to me anymore. You say this, we are not going to, we are not going to uh, pay people to come to church. Amen. Folks, when I got saved by the grace of God, you know, the church never, you know, as long as I was a member of the first church I was in, no one hardly ever gave anything to my family. And yet the Lord gave to us. The Lord took care of us. And I, you know what? I didn't think it was wrong for them not to. See, because God has a way of meeting these. Sometimes he meets the needs through his church, the needs of missionaries, sometimes the needs that we have as church members, and I think it's good when we can do something to help. But we don't need to get into a habit of paying people to come to church. And it goes on to say, <clears throat> For even in Thessalonica he sent once and again on my necessity, not because I desired a gift, but I desired fruit that may abound to your account. But I have all on abound. I am full, having received of Epaphroditus the things which were sent from you, an odor of a sweet smell, a sacrifice acceptable, well-pleasing to God. But my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory and by, by Christ Jesus. You know, folks, God will supply our need. He will. And, you know, sometimes if, you have been, if you've been saved any length of time, you know, you know what it's like to have a need and God take care of the need. Sometimes in ways that you and I don't even, we don't even know where it's going to come from. And sometimes it just plain comes because we need it. It doesn't say, my God shall supply all your want. You know, sometimes we want a lot of things. You know, I, I, I want, I want, shh, I want a new truck. Say, preacher, really? Yeah. Do you think you'll get one? Probably not. Why not? Because do I need it? Probably not. <laughs> what a terrible life. And I have the truck I want picked out. So what? <laughs> so what? What if I never get it? So what? Paul said, I've learned in whatsoever state I am therewith to be content. I could drive a truck like Lane drives. And wish I didn't have that truck, <laughs> as he wishes. Amen. <laughs> He's got a truck of sorts. Amen. 
And it runs at times, amen? At times, not often enough, but at times. <clears throat> Our need, if you will, Hebrews 13. <clears throat> Maybe you folks can absolve me of my wants, amen? Forgive me for, for coveting. Not lane struck, though. No way, not going there. Hebrews 13, look at verses 5 and 6. Let your conversation be without covetousness and be content with such things as you have. For he hath said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee, so that the Lord may boldly say, so that we may boldly say, the Lord is my help, or I will not fear what man shall do unto me. Now, I didn't say what I said about a truck, so you go out and buy one. Trust me, preacher, we're not going to do that. Amen, amen. Uh, I'm just using it as an example that we all want things sometimes that maybe we don't need to have. If you will, in James 1 and 17, James 1 and 17, the Bible says, Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and cometh down from the Father of lights, with whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. We're talking about what God knows, and He knows us. He knows what we need. And you know what? He's going to be there to take care of us. He's going to be our shepherd. He's going to give us what we need. And He's going to give us, at times, gifts. And when he gives us gifts, they will always be perfect gifts. Now, sometimes we look at sometimes the things that God gives us, and we think, boy, he could have done a better job than that. I remember I owed two Vegas. Those weren't a gift from God. That was my own foolishness. <laughs> For me to have bought those two cars, I must have been out of my mind. I was. Temporary insanity. <laughs> I got over it, though, after my second one. <clears throat> but then God gives us a good gift. You know, folks, sometimes we as parents, when our, when our children are young, we, we, we know what they need and we want to give them things. And sometimes, if we're not careful, we, we'll give them too much. And then they get to where if you give them too much, they don't appreciate anything. And I remember when our kids were little, if they hadn't had a grandma and grandpa, Christmas would have been a little sparse, <laughs> like nearly non-existent. And so they got a lot of presents, sometimes from grandma and grandpa, sometimes a few things from us. And there were times when we felt bad about it, but we understood and realized something. You know what? Life isn't about all that we get and gifts. I know some people who give their children everything constantly and I think to myself you know you're doing your child a disservice because one of these days they're going to grow up and become an adult and they're going to be so dissatisfied with what they have never content because of what they don't have now you know what as a parent sometimes we say boy I wish I could do more for my child you know what the best thing you could do is love them love your kids Try to be there for them. Give them your, of yourself. Give them what they need. Sometimes what they need is maybe some, to be taught the right things, to be disciplined when they're wrong. You know, that's a gift from God. You know, to have a parent who cares enough to teach you what's right and, 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 and discipline you when you're wrong is a lot. A lot of people grow up in the world today without two parents. They grow up in crummy, rotten homes. And then we look at ourselves and say, boy, you know what? The longer I'm saved, 
and the more I see people's lives today, I used to think my life was terrible. And you know what I found out? My life was a picnic compared to what people live with today. And I used to grouch about my dad. And granted, he had his issues. He was a drunk. He wasn't around. But I used to grouch about him, never happy with anything. But I had always plenty of food to eat, a nice, clean home to live in, plenty of clothes to wear. You know what, folks? I had a lot. And I didn't appreciate it. And sometimes, you know, if you have a lot, and, it, you know, <clears throat> you don't appreciate it. Amen? You know, God gives us what we need. He gives us the kinds of gifts we need. And you know what? There have been times that since I've been saved when I've lived with a whole lot less than I had growing up. But I'm saved by the grace of God, and I have a God that knows me and cares about me, just as he tells you. Amen? He never stops caring about us, never stops loving us, in spite of who and what we are and what he knows about us. Man, I thank God for that. You know, he's a great and good shepherd, not only of his giving, but because of his knowing. The Bible says, casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. Never think for a minute, because, well, I don't have what every, somebody else has, that somehow God doesn't care for me. You know, when you read in Luke 16 that the beggar died and was carried by the angels into Abraham's bosom, do you know the, the beggar? The beggar was saved. The beggar had a good shepherd that allowed him to be a beggar. And I think for the sake of the rich man that had had him around, the beggar around. See, the rich man died, and in hell he lift up his eyes, being in torments, and seeth Lazarus in Abraham's bosom. And when he got concerned about his family, finally he said, send Lazarus home. Send the beggar home to my house. So I can tell him about, tell my family that they need to repent and believe the gospel lest they come into this place of torment also. The beggar? Yeah. What did the beggar have in this life? Not much. But he had more than the rich man. Amen? Because God knows us. God cared even for the beggar. Oh, why would God make him a beggar? Why would God allow him to be a beggar? Maybe because that was God's course and plan for his life. You mean, I'm not going to be able to be rich? Maybe not. Amen. Did you hear that, Lane? No new truck for you, buddy. <clears throat> What if we have nothing? But we have a God that knows us, a good shepherd that knows us, cares for us, loves us, and gives us what we need and what's best for us. Amen? Even as a faithful parent should do. Amen? Let's pray. Father in heaven, as we close this time of Bible study this morning, God help us, Lord, to appreciate our great shepherd, great and good shepherd, Father, in your giving and in your knowing, 
Lord, I'm thankful that you know that we're your children. But Father, the knowing is more than just knowing about us. It's loving and caring for us. God bless your people. Father, bless the service to follow. I pray now in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening. If you have questions about this message, or if you would like information about our church, please visit us online at bbcdickinson.com. Thank you.